welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Matthew chapter 25. Um, the... Uh, the the Lord did something. I you know we're we're in this series. We uh, all last fall we talked about living like royalty, and then starting last Sunday morning we began the series on living the kingdom of God twenty four seven. And um, Pastor Dave and I work really diligently at putting together the series that we're doing, and pray over it. and And I'm always preparing three to six months out, uh, and then Father does some interesting things like this morning when he changed my message at five o'clock this morning. We're still going to talk about living the kingdom because the very first words that we have here in Matthew chapter 25 is the kingdom of heaven is likened unto. And many of Jesus' parables begin with that term because he's, he's using the parables to teach us about his kingdom. And as we look at this parable this morning, it really is about the time and season that we're living right this moment. And we're living in unprecedented times. The, the only time historically, and, and I, I love studying history, and I've taught U.S. and world history at middle school and high school level, and, and um, far beyond that, I just love digging history, and I'm always looking into history. And from my perspective, I haven't seen a historical time that matches this time. And the only thing close to it is what was taking place in the world at the close of World War I and leading up to World War II. And I want to talk with you about that a moment. I want to talk with you about the time you're living right now and how this parable is incredibly relevant to you at this time and this season in your life. Because it's not a coincidence that you're living now. It is God's plan and purpose that you live now. But if you don't connect with that, you will miss some of the most exciting part of your life. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Father, teach us. Speak to us. Would you enable me to speak your word? Holy Spirit, I welcome your power in your ministry through me right now. I pray for those hearing, Holy Spirit, that you will give to them a spirit of wisdom and revelation and open the eyes of their understanding to be able to hear and receive your word. In Jesus' name I pray and I thank you, Lord. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But when the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. 
But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be uh, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now, if you have a red letter edition in your Bible, those words are all in red because they're the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. You think maybe Jesus might know what he's talking about? Being Son of God himself? At the close of World War I, the Treaty of Versailles did two unprecedented things. First of all, it set a reparation upon Germany that was really unheard of, that they had to repay all of the debt of the war. And when they, when they set that, though, combined with that, a financial guru out of Harvard was appointed to go to Germany and establish the financial means by which they would do that. And for the first time in history, Keynesian economics was introduced to the world. An economic system that took it off the gold standard and put it on a paper that had no backing. And I'm sure that you have seen some of the historical pictures that the German economy so declined that at one point they stopped printing the German mark on two sides and they just printed it on one side. And it got to the point to where it took a wheelbarrow load of German marks to be able to buy a loaf of bread. I mean, it was, it, and, and it's, it's the Keynesian economics is the system that America moved into when we went off the gold standard. And here's how they said it. They said, well, we know what happened in Germany. We did it too quickly. We just need to do it slower. <laughs> and it's just, instead of taking just the few years it took Germany to go into that kind of economic disaster, it's taken us this many decades. And that's why we are, I know what's advertised is we're somewhere between 19 trillion and 21 trillion. But if you take all of the offline budget stuff and you put that in America is somewhere and I've, I've seen figures from 65 trillion to 90 trillion uh, you know I mean numbers that I mean how do you even imagine that you can't and that kind of economic system made Germany vulnerable to the speeches and the insanity of Mein Kampf and Adolf Hitler that led to, of course, World War II. But in that, same, in that same treaty, an unprecedented thing happened because there was a very godly man from Britain named Balfour combined with a movement that had begun by a Jewish man who was a, an author, a reporter, a newsman, but also a very prolific writer, and called the Zionist movement. And in the Treaty of Versailles, it was guaranteed 
that a homeland would be established for the Jewish people back in their homeland of Israel. And when you read the Treaty of Versailles, the boundaries of that homeland went from the Mediterranean Sea to the Euphrates River. And from the southern border of Lebanon to the Gulf of Akbar and the border town of Elat today. It's interesting because those borders are exactly the borders that Almighty God promised to Abraham when he made covenant with him in Genesis chapter 15. And that was the homeland promise. But before, before they got to that point, a white letter was, a white document was written in Britain establishing a new nation Transjordan. And so they lopped off a portion of that land promised to Israel in the treaty and they gave it to a new nation called Jordan. And uh, so now Israel's border was the Jordan River. Transjordan became known as the nation Jordan that we know today. Why is that significant? Because all of what went on during that time economically and in all of that structure began setting the stage for the rise of the, of the Nazi empire, the rise of the Japanese empire, setting the world into the stage of World War II and the most dramatic war at that time in the history of mankind. Setting up, setting up because... Two things happened. There was a promise to follow God's word, which was stopped. And, and then that set the stage for the whole Arab-Israeli thing that's going on right now. But it is interesting because when you study carefully, King Faisal of Iraq and the Arab people sent a message to the, to the representative from the United States at the Treaty of Versailles saying, we are in agreement with, with Balfour's uh, proposal. We're in full agreement and, and we will sign this and we welcome the Jewish people to have their homeland. And it was fully supported. Now what made the change as that went on was when Britain appointed the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem in 19, I think it was 1922, when they appointed the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, who is the founding father of the PLO, who aligned himself with Adolf Hitler and actually moved to Germany in 1942 and was there from 1942 to 1944. And, and at the uh, Nuremberg trials, the number one aide to, uh, to Eichmann openly testified and gave undeniable evidence that the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem was the significant advisor, the closest advisor, and helped Eichmann and Himmler to plan the final solution. And by the way, before that ever happened, the Baathist movement among the Arabs were the first ones to ever translate Mein Kampf from German 
and they translate it into Arabic. And from that time till right now, all children are required to read Mein Kampf. Setting the stage. Setting the stage for where we are right now. Watching the economic disaster that is rising around the world. But what is it, what, what is it all about? What is it really all about, dear ones? It's pointing to exactly what Pastor Dave read to you earlier today. That the Lord Jesus Christ has established a time when he is going to return and take his people with him to heaven. This parable that Jesus gave, the parable of a wedding, a bridegroom is about to come and take his bride. And this whole parable centers around a wedding ceremony. Now how does that connect with the kingdom of God? Jesus said it when he was talking with his disciples on the night he was going to be betrayed. They were making a journey from the upper room to the garden of Gethsemane. And on that journey, Jesus takes the time because they have to cross the Tyropenean Valley, go, go either across or around the Temple Mount, go across the Kidron Valley to reach the Mount of Olives and the garden of Gethsemane. And on that journey, as they're making that walk from Mount Zion, Jesus begins a teaching session. It's recorded for us in John chapter 14 and chapter 15. And this is how he begins that teaching session. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. The way, where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now we read that and we may not fully grasp what he's saying. But every Hebrew fully understood Jesus was describing a wedding ceremony. When the, the, the more romantic, the bridegroom and the father of the bridegroom, the closer they will wait to the midnight hour to go and get the bride. Sometime before the father of the bridegroom and the father of the bride, they have come together and they have made a covenant that the, that the daughter and the son would be married. And they drank the cup and they sealed that covenant. That very night Jesus gave that parable. He had drank the cup and sealed the covenant. He had selected himself a bride. And his bride would be every man, woman, boy, and girl who would receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then, once that cup of covenant had been sealed between the fathers, then the son would go back to his father's house and he would build onto his father's house a mansion. A room that would be the bridal chamber. And 
He had to build it to the Father's specification and the Father's approval. Once the Father gave the approval that, that the addition was meeting his expectations, he would then say to the son, go get your bride. And the more romantic the young man was, the closer he would wait to the midnight hour. And then he would give the word. And his best man would go forward sounding a trumpet and declaring, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. And there would be friends of the family that were virgins that would go ahead with lamps lighting the way. And he would get to the home of his bride and when he got to her home, he would go in, he would take the bride with him. Now, while all of this was going on, the bride was preparing her trousseau and getting herself ready. And as, the, as, the, as she heard the people coming and the announcement the bridegroom was coming, she would rise up and get herself ready and get herself dressed. And the young man would come in and take his bride and they would carry her back to where the canopy was being prepared. And they would go to there. And as they made their way back, when they left the house, the father of the bride would get up, he would go, he would look in her room, he would come back to his wife and say, ah, They've come and taken her away like the thief in the night. And then he and his wife would get up and they would go and they would follow the procession to where the wedding ceremony would take place. And that was what Jesus was giving. That was the imagery Jesus was giving when he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself to where I am there you may be also. And that is the imagery that's being used here regarding the five wise and the five foolish virgins. Same imagery. Jesus Christ is coming. And he gave to us in Matthew 24, just the preceding chapter, he gave to us three arenas of signs that would let us know how close we were because we don't know the day or the hour. Now in this ceremony, if you'll go with me please to the next slide. In this ceremony, all ten were invited. And all ten expected to participate in the ceremony. But the bridegroom tarried. He waited. And he was going to wait until as close to that midnight hour as he could. That's why Peter wrote in his second epistle, there are many who say, Ah, we've heard about his coming. We've heard, we've heard. He said, I want you to understand something. The tearing is only because of the mercy and long-suffering of Father because he's not willing that any should perish. But there's going to come a day. It's going to come a day when he's going to say, go get your bride. And dear ones, we are very, very close to that time. But in the meantime, while, while... he has tarried. There have been those in the, in the church, there have been those believers who have taken their eye off the mark. They've taken their eye off the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. 
and they have begun to live like the world and they've begun to party and the church has begun to embrace things in the world that is beginning to pollute the house of the living God. And not recognizing that while they are doing all of that, we are drawing very, very near to his coming. And they're like the five foolish. They're not preparing themselves wisely. Please go to the next slide. This whole thing is about two words. Watch and be ready. The five wise were ready. They had made themselves ready. And I have to ask you this morning, are you ready? If Jesus were to split the clouds right now and there was to come the sound of a trumpet and it says the bridegroom is coming and uh, as it says in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. If that were to happen now, are you ready? And if you're not, it's time to make yourself ready. How do we do that? How do we make ourselves ready? Well, first thing is you, 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 you have to live every day clothed with the garment of his spirit. You've got to learn how to live your life Empowered by, motivated by, directed by, and disciplined by Holy Spirit. You've got to be in the Word. You've got not just read it casually and not just read a little devotional sentence and then a little paragraph and and close and head out. Folks, listen, there's never been a time when that was enough. But I will tell you right now, that really is not enough. The time and season in which, which we're living, that's why Jesus gave to the Apostle Paul in his second epistle to the Thessalonica church. He said this, he said, listen, Satan who is coming with great deception and he will deceive those, listen, he will deceive those who have not received the love of the truth. Do you love the truth. Do you love the word of God? Do you hide it in your heart? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? By hiding thy word in his heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. Do you love the truth? You have to be clothed in the power of God. You have to hide the word of God in your heart. And you got to put on the armor of God every day. Wanda's starting a whole new series in Super Kids Church today on the armor of God. And she's got this new, new chorus she's teaching them. I've been listening to it for... Yes. That long. It's a great little chorus. But I want to ask you, do you clothe yourself in the armor of God? 
Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean every day. Let me, let me suggest to you what I do every day. As I'm showering, I just clothe myself in the armor. Father, I choose to put on the helmet of salvation today. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I put on the belt of truth. Father, that I may stand in you. And I put on the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I take up the shield of the spirit of faith and the sword of the spirit father and I fill my mouth with praise to you and Lord I go into my day clothed in your armor Lord God lead me not into temptation today and deliver me from the evil one that I might stand and walk victorious in you today every day every day every day and I pray the prayer of Jabez bless me indeed Enlarge my borders. May your hand be upon me. Keep me from evil. And may I not cause pain. Amen. Don't you want to live that way? See, that's living ready. They were ready. You have to be ready. But you have to watch. That means you have to be alert. Be attentive. Are you alert to things around you? We don't know the day or hour that Jesus is coming. But man, when you look, when you look, I shared Wednesday night in our Bible study at the UN Resolution 2334, how that, that fulfills so many scriptures regarding the last days and how, how it can set the stage for the seven-year peace pact that the son of perdition, the little horn, is going to make that will set up the whole last seven years of history as we've known it, leading to the kingdom when Jesus comes and sets up his eternal kingdom. Amen? Listen, listen. That, that, that re- when you read that resolution, it's, it's its entirety. It so sets the stage for that. And too much to go into right now. But I want to tell you, we are living so close. There are so many things happening that is setting the stage for Ezekiel 38 and 39, setting, setting the stage for Daniel chapter 9. There are so many things that are happening, dear ones, that if we don't live alert and ready, then what Paul talked about again in 2 Thessalonians, he said, because they didn't receive the love of the truth, therefore the Lord gave them strong delusion that if possible, even the very elect would be deceived. We are going to quickly move from deception to delusion. And I love to ask people, how do people know if they're deceived? I mean, if they're deceived, how do they know that? They don't. The only way they can know that is if somehow their eyes are open to realize, wait a minute, I've been believing this and this is what's true. I've got to renounce this and accept this. But if they don't receive the love of the truth, even when truth comes before them, they will reject truth as a lie and believe the lie. That's why we must live alert to the things that are going on. Because otherwise we will begin embracing things that are actually deception but believe their truth. And dear ones, listen. There comes a time when you have to be willing to accept the fact that Father's love at times disciplines. That Father's love will always speak truth even when it will offend 
And I want to give you an example. Okay, one of the truths right now that's being, that's being rejected and believing a lie is, is regarding transgender relationships and same-sex relationships and same-sex marriage. Dear ones, I, I, I love those people. I have ministered to many homosexuals and lesbians over the years. But when I minister to them, I'm also telling them the truth and how they can be delivered from that which God calls an abomination. See, doesn't, just because the world's embracing it doesn't change the truth. And when we change the truth to embrace the culture, to embrace political correctness, to embrace what the world calls tolerance, there's something that you must understand about tolerance. When you study that historically, tolerance has always been used by the powers of darkness to get the church to embrace a lie. Because have you noticed? It's, it's tolerant for everything except the truth. And, and, and when, you, when you speak truth, you're not being tolerant. And dear ones, I want to I warn you. There is a, another lie that's beginning to sweep our nation. There are evangelists going across the nation right now. And, and full-page ads have been purchased in Christianity Today and other Christian periodicals to advertise this. They're being sent across the world today, across the nation, especially in America, to teach the church that evolution is how God created everything. And when you, when you step away from believing that there are six literal days of creation, the evening and the morning was the first day, the evening and the morning was the second day, the evening and the morning was the third day, the evening and the morning was the fourth day, the evening and the morning was the fifth day, the evening and the morning was the sixth day, and God rested on the seventh day. When you push that aside and you embrace that life came out of some sort of a big bang that caused this goo to bring forth some life and that life evolved and, and, that, and that was through six eons of time. When you step away from that, when you study the scripture carefully, you will recognize that everything about our redemption and our salvation is founded upon the fact that God created all of life in six literal days and his crowning act was he made a new species see a being called human race that he imparted to his authority to be stewards of all of his creation made in his image. If we're going to be prepared, if we're going to be ready, we must live our life filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, motivated by the Spirit, disciplined by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, and we must live alert and attentive to what's going on around us, recognizing we don't know the day or the hour that Jesus Christ is coming. I want to be a part of the wise, don't you? So blessed that you, you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us 
at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.